How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me is my good friend Frank Madden. And today's episode is sponsored by our good friends at SeatGeek. Use the promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, that is L-O-Bucks for Locked on Bucks to get a $20 rebate off your first SeatGeek purchase. And, well, Game 3 and Game 4 are coming up, so... I don't know if you could really use that $20 rebate on a better purchase. Um, so uh, I would say now's a great time to use that if you haven't used it quite yet. Frank, the Bucks lose 106-100. Are you heartbroken? Are you encouraged? Are you discouraged? Are you alive? How are you? Uh, I'm, I'm good, Eric. Thanks for asking. Thanks to you and Mitchell for holding it down. Uh, last night, I... Uh, had a weird circumstance. I was, I'm, I'm, I frequently am working in Dallas for work and my mom was flying to Guatemala for a, um, like church related, um, service thing. And she just so happened to get marooned in Dallas last night due to weather. So, um, instead of podcasting, I went out and got dinner with my mom and hung out with my mom. So thank you for, uh, filling in so I could do that rather than, uh, podcast, uh, so appreciate that, and you I'm made excited. The right decision. I made the right decision, and I'm excited because I see my mom on Monday night. Um, obviously, they live in Milwaukee. I live in Texas, so I don't see them that much. And then I'm going this weekend. I'm flying on Friday to Milwaukee in order to go to the Bucks game on Saturday night with my dad, which I'm really excited about. So um, I'm seeing my parents on the bookends, and uh, I had to come back to Austin today, and I was actually driving during the Bucks game was listening to the dulcet tones of uh, Ted Davis and uh, Dennis Krause, uh, and then I watched the game after I got home. So kind of a weird experience listening to it live and then watching it, and, and I know I talked to you briefly and asked you if there were any things to, to look out for. So, um, so yeah, it was kind of an interesting way to watch the game, but I guess to answer your question, which you asked like five minutes ago... Um, I'm kind of torn because I, I think I feel generally encouraged watching the Bucks really not show any fear of the Toronto Raptors, and the Toronto Raptors not really look like they could shake the Bucks in a in a game tonight that obviously they had to win, and it would have been easy for the Bucks to probably feel a little bit good about themselves and maybe not have necessarily the urgency that they needed to have to win the game, but. Even when they went down double digits a couple times in the second half, they didn't really panic. They played their game, and um, you know the the good news is they gave themselves every chance to win. The bad news, and here's the kind of glass half empty, is they had every chance to win this game, and and if they win this game tonight, uh, you know history is is obviously on their side to to win this series. Um, instead, they lose the game. And while I think sort of at a very macro level, I think we're seeing very encouraging things about this team. 
on the micro level, there's no moral victories in a seven game series. So um, we can, you know, we talk about point differential and and Pythagorean expected win and all that in the regular season a lot because we're trying to think big picture. In a playoff series, it's <laughs> it's just about whether you win yeah. or lose the game. And it's pretty and black or white. Bucks, tonight the Bucks lost, and you know I think they can feel confident going back to Milwaukee. But um, you know now the pressure is going to be on them, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how they react on Thursday, especially after um, they could have taken just a commanding lead in the series had they pulled out a win tonight. So I, I don't know. I'm a little bit torn. To start this game, I was totally expecting the Raptors to just take it. To the Bucks and for the Bucks to, you know, this this is a young team. They already stole their game in Toronto, and for some reason, I was just thinking, you know what? They're not going to come out with the best effort tonight. The Raptors are going to make some adjustments. Uh, they'll they'll put the Bucks back on their heels, and they they won't be able to answer. And then they got through the first quarter, and it was close. And then I thought, you know what? Okay, maybe here in the second quarter when the bench units come in, things will go wrong, and it won't go great, and that didn't happen. And it got to be halftime, and it got to be the third quarter. And then even in the start of the fourth quarter where things went very badly, in two minutes they're a minus eight, they're a minus eight, and it goes from a, a one-point game to a nine-point game, and in my head I'm thinking, okay, that's it. Fold it in. It's over. And it wasn't. Uh, the Bucks just kept having answers, and uh, I mean that is that is definitely encouraging. But like you said, there's wins and there's losses in the playoffs. There's not. Oh, you know, well this is nice going forward, or um, you know, you learn some things about your team, and maybe in a month you can uh, maybe put it all together and figure it out. That's that's not a thing that exists. You you, you lost tonight. That that's as simple as it is. The Bucks lost, and obviously they they played well and they're able to bring it to the final moments of the game. But they lost, and that that's that pretty much. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it's kind of a, a strange situation. And again, this is pessimistic Bucks fan, but all I can think of is that's a, a damn good look for Malcolm Brogdon and. It's a damn good look for Matthew Delvadova, and neither of them fall. And then both DeRozan and Lowry make crazy shots, and maybe that gives them the confidence that they need, and now maybe the Bucks are going in the wrong direction, and uh, everything in my pessimistic Bucks fan, lifelong Bucks fan head is just thinking, okay, how is this going to go wrong next? And uh, I don't know, it, it's just tough to to kind of fight out of that, that mindset, and but yeah, they lost tonight, and you just really wish they would have pulled it out. Yeah, and it's especially interesting how you know we spent the last two, three weeks of the season, and even going back further, even during the win, win streak, um, you know, especially the you know the West Coast road trip. I mean, they they obviously were sneaking out some some wins against good teams. The Raptors obviously are a good team, despite maybe what we've seen here in, in the last few days, but. Um, it's interesting that the Bucks have delivered two of their better performances of the last month in successive games in the playoffs on the road. And, you know, I think you have to start by just tipping the cap to pretty much 
everybody involved with with the team and 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 the preparation that I think to come out after a few days off um, in you know the first playoff game for a bunch of guys um, and they responded obviously brilliantly well in in the in the first game and you know the second game was a different kind of test because as you mentioned this was the okay how do you avoid the letdown game how do you avoid the you know we got to win in our back pocket play not to lose and therefore definitely lose type game and you know both both of those situations now i think they've passed from a you know they've passed the test sort of from a uh, um you know how they reacted how they played how they carried themselves standpoint um and now they've got a different kind of test coming up on on thursday which is the okay now you have to defend the home court you're going to have a huge crowd how do you avoid the letdown type thing so um you know, I think very encouraging to see them win these games. Um, but as you said as well, you know, definitely some opportunities lost because that, that was my first reaction when I, when I actually saw the shots that happened in the last few minutes rather than just listening to them. I mean, Delhi and Brogdon couldn't ask for better looks. Lowry and, and especially, especially Lowry, but also DeRozan couldn't have really asked for better defense probably late in games and, and, you know, more difficult shots. So, um, so it's difficult, but I think, you know, again, we, we saw a lot of encouraging things. I think if we're going to start with that, I mean, you know, look at your top players. Uh, and, you know, we talked a lot the last couple of weeks of the season how Giannis needed one of Chris Middleton and Greg Monroe to come through. And tonight he got um, big offensive contributions or, or, you know, certainly much better than, than what we've seen in many games in terms of scoring efficiency from both Chris and Greg Monroe. Um and Giannis was the one who struggled early, but I, I actually was pretty impressed with Giannis as well because I think he showed, um, you know, uh, had, had the stiff upper lip, started very slowly, one out of seven, and um, battled as the game went on. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think sometimes we we think so much and, and we try to overanalyze everything about, like, oh, how, what adjustments are going to happen? What's going to happen with this? What's going to happen with that? Um, and I don't know. I don't know if there were any, you know, massive adjustments that that shifted this game from you know the Bucks blowing out the first game to to barely losing the second game but um we obviously saw I think the Bucks best players come to play tonight and Giannis fight through some struggles and um you know again they could have gotten more contributions from some other guys beyond that sure but um but I think this probably is more like what we'd expect the series to go in terms of Lowry and DeRozan being the two main guys for Toronto um, they weren't necessarily lights out, um, but Lowry very efficient with just 12 shots to get to his what 22 points I think he had, and DeRozan you know not super efficient 18 shots 23 points. Um, the Bucks you know I don't think you you'd say they did poorly on those guys, but um, you know their best players did just enough and got just enough help that you know even with the Bucks good players delivering maybe Giannis not being as efficient as usual but doing other stuff um, it just wasn't quite enough tonight and. You know, you, you just sort of hope that that it's another learning experience, and and they come out ready and and motivated to defend the home court on Thursday. From an adjustment standpoint, I, I thought one thing that stood out to me was the fact that Lowry and DeRozan, I thought, handled that pressure a lot better tonight. That the the heavy blitzing, the heavy trapping, they did not do well with that in the first game, which to me doesn't make a ton of sense because it's not like the Bucks haven't shown those looks to them before that i mean that's sort of the bucks thing being very aggressive and uh trying to 
kind of force those turnovers. So uh, I guess maybe it, it's more of a surprise that they handled it as poorly as they did in the first game. But I thought tonight both of them definitely handled it a little bit better. And I think uh, the Raptors did their best to try to have a guy like Valanciunas who, when he would set a screen, he would rim run as quickly as he could. He would slip and try to get out of there as fast as he could. And then they would try to make a quick pass to the other side and then try to go a little tic-tac-toe to get it to Valanciunas or uh, to get the ball moving after that. So to me, I thought that was, as far as adjustments, quote-unquote, go, uh, I thought that was the big one uh, to me was that they just handled it a lot better and they kind of dealt with that pressure and their team as a whole seemed to be more prepared. And then I thought the other big thing was I don't, I'm not 100% sure how Ibaka did it, Um, on a bum ankle with questions of whether or not he would even play in this game. I don't know that I've seen someone give Giannis more trouble at the rim than Ibaka did tonight. It it, it was startling. Uh, Giannis, uh, I don't know how many times he's dunked on someone. Tonight he tries one, he misses that one, and it just seemed like every time he was getting to the lane, getting to the rim, he was not getting shots to fall. Um, and it, it was just strange to see that because we talked a little bit about what what's an anomaly in the first game or, or what's something that's an aberration in the first game. And obviously Lowry shooting two of 11 and all of six from three, like that was, that was not going to stay for the series. And I think in this one, Giannis shooting as poorly as he did at the rim. I don't think that's something we're going to see. A guy that finishes as well as he does, I just can't imagine we see that again in another game. And honestly, I was kind of thinking in Jason Kidd's post-game availability that we might hear something from him about Giannis dealing with some physical play at the rim with Giannis maybe not going to the line enough for as many shots as he took because, I mean, he takes 24 shots in the game and there was threes and there was mid-range jumpers, but you're you're looking pretty easily at double-digit shot attempts at the rim um, and for him to just get seven free throws with as much contact as there was, um, I think you have a, a pretty strong argument that he should have got a few more whistles and got to the line a little bit more. Um, so I, I was thinking we might hear that from Kid. We did not hear that from Kid post game, um, but I wonder if in the next couple days, because this is the playoffs and that's kind of how this goes. Like you complain about something and then the goal is in the next game to, to get a few more of those calls. So I, I almost wonder if in the next 48 hours we'll hear kids say something about that um but uh, i in no way do i want to take anything away from abaca because his rim protection was just fantastic tonight it was a, a marvelous performance from him at the rim making things difficult for Giannis. yeah i mean it looked like he the replay i saw it looked like he hit Giannis in the head on that block um when Giannis was going like driving to his right um in the second half yep. Um, so, I mean, again, he could have been a foul there. He, he thought he blocked Giannis, but fouled him on a, on a lefty layup where, where Giannis got free throws in the second half. Um, and then I, I didn't really see a replay of it, but there was that one where it looked like Giannis just got rim checked on a, on like a lefty putback almost when, and I think a was near mm-hmm. him. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's just sort of like those things. It's like, if you block Giannis once, you're like already in the like upper echelon of, 
performances of, of defending Giannis. <laughs> totally the correct, rim. yeah. Um, you know, and they had other things like P.J. Tucker just slapped the ball away from him when he was going up for what could have been a dunk um, in the first half and just kind of like random like stuff like that. You know, they just – and, and I think the other thing too, I mean, we focus so much on – who, who is the guy guarding Giannis in when we talk about this stuff? But I think realistically, like it, it really isn't, you know, it's, it's the old, it takes a village thing with defending Giannis. And um, I think the most obvious thing tonight was, um, you know, how many transition buckets did Giannis have tonight? Talking about adjustments. Good God. What did it, that was, that was a huge thing. There were, there was two steals on, or I shouldn't say two steals. There was the, the turnover where Giannis traveled when they got there at, the point of catch and then there was uh the turnover at the end of the second quarter where Middleton tried to toss it up to Giannis and Patterson got the steal and that to me that was huge they they were focused on not just stopping Giannis in transition and showing him bodies but when he caught the ball they were there and that was that that to me was a huge change from the night before yeah and so uh, you know again he'll see lots of different guys and you know he saw some of pj tucker he saw obviously carol to start the game and um you know i'm not convinced that i think it's fashionable to, to talk about tucker using his strength to kind of be physical with him i mean yeah i mean pj tucker can be physical but he's also like relatively tiny from a length standpoint you know and we saw that on the spin move in the fourth quarter where you know, I mean, he doesn't he, have anything for Giannis. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, he he can get up into under him and, and and annoy him, but you know, again, being physical without fouling—that's like the strategy against, mm, I don't know, every star player in the NBA. <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know, I mean, uh, other than Shaq, you know, like which who who don't you want to be physical with? Like, do you want to not be physical with Demarcus Cousins, even though he's massive and stronger than everybody else? I mean, you know, so it's. It's kind of one of those things like, you know, it's it's easy to say be physical. And I think the key thing, as you mentioned, I was thinking about it as well when, you know, Giannis would at halftime hadn't taken a free throw, had taken 14 shots, had been around the rim a lot. Um, you know, the fact that there there weren't any calls. I think mean, there were a couple where easily probably could have or should have been um, a foul call. Yep. Uh, and yeah, so I was definitely thinking about that a little bit, especially, you know, with the masterful uh, complaints that that David Fisdale had about his Grizzlies not getting foul calls yesterday. I think we were all, you know, getting fired up for for coaches complaining about not getting fouls. So, like, I um, hate that that's the game. Like, I hate that that's the game you have to play in the playoffs. But you have like that is the political game you have to play as an NBA coach. Yeah, and we we saw Dwayne Casey try to do it uh, in on one of the off days, I guess, talking about Della Vadova's screening, and uh, of course, I don't. I don't recall Delhi getting hit for any offensive fouls on illegal screens tonight, and um, so I don't, I don't know if that really had much of an effect. But um, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to to see how how that evolves. And um, you know, I, I was I, I think generally though, I, I was impressed with I think how Giannis reacted. I mean, I think one of the important things was he was one out of seven, and he hit he hit two straight jump shots in a row. And I think that was was interesting, right? Because you can argue that's not what he should be doing at that point in the game, to settling for jump shots when he's you know struggling to to score effectively. Um, but you know he showed the confidence to do it. And again, we we've long been um, you know proponents of of both Giannis and Jabari uh, being willing to shoot mid range jumpers and three pointers and you know anything sort of in rhythm. And 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 that kind of got him at least. Um, you know, out of out of an early funk, and then um, interested to see him make some big jump shots late in the game, and he had a couple of jump shots late in game one as well. And I think it's Frank, it's a, that three. What? Oh my gosh! 
Frank, that that's the stuff of dreams for a Bucks fan, right? <laughs> well, if, I mean, if it was if it was at the buzzer to win the game, that would be even a bit more dream worthy. But yeah, I mean, I was uh, yelling in my car when Ted Davis called that one, and um, I think that's that's huge, right? To see him, um, I mean, he kind of had to take that shot, but to to see him knock that down and and to see it go through, uh, that's big. And he hit some jumpers, you know, he had, I think a jumper early in the fourth as well. Um, and you know, whatever, I, I feel like everybody's sort of trying to channel. Oh, well he's settling for jump shots. Cause when PJ Tucker's in the game, people are trying to like read into everything sort of PJ Tucker's effect. But, <laughs> um, you know, he, uh, if he has the confidence to do that, I think it's, it's a positive cause we know that he's also then not going to be afraid to use that pump fake and, and guys will bite on the pump fake, even though Giannis doesn't shoot well from three. So, um, so hopefully that, that is something that, that, uh, the Raptors will remember and, and maybe, you know, again, it's basketball players do. They, you know, if you hit a shot on them, then then they go for your pump fake. So we'll, we'll see if that maybe sets some stuff up for Giannis to continue attacking and get some more looks um, in, in games three and four. And you mentioned that being something the Raptors will remember. I think my hope would be that the Raptors will also remember coming into the Bradley Center. And the easiest way for you to help rem- make them remember that is to buy some tickets. Go, go over to SeatGeek and get tickets for game three or game four and obviously this is the playoffs there's going to be a a ton of prices and it's all going to be very confusing and what's the best deal i can get but SeatGeek is going to make it easy for you because they do the price comparison for you they go to all they go to all the other ticket websites they find all the tickets and put them in one place for you so then all you have to do is figure out the best deals and figure out exactly where you want to sit and uh, i mean I, I just listen to the the air canada center and see jurassic park or whatever it is that they call it outside and my hope is is that on thursday bucks fans will do exactly that they they will be loud they'll be crazy and they will give the raptors something to remember and even more so on saturday it's a day game you can kind of hang out and plan your whole day around it go down early and go hang out on third street get a get some lunch then walk over to the bc you can go to Goolsby's. you can go and just make a day out of it and i i do hope that's what bucks fans do and like i said the easiest way to find tickets for that is on SeatGeek and they do everything for you. You can see exactly where your seats will be. You can see what the view looks like. And with SeatGeek, uh, obviously, we have our promo code. That's Bucks. And the way to do that and the way to get that is to download the SeatGeek app, then go to the settings tab, select add a promo code, add promo code L-O-B-U-C-K-S. Again, Bucks for Lockdown Bucks. And when you buy tickets, SeatGeek will send you $20 for your first SeatGeek purchase. So go out, use our promo code today, and go get some tickets for those games because it's going to be crazy. And if you do buy tickets with, with our SeatGeek promo code, give us a tweet. Let us know. We always love to see that. People have been doing that throughout the season. And um, we'll, we'll definitely give you a shout-out on air this week. Um, so, so act quickly. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll see some people on, uh, on Saturday. Look out for, look out for me. Cause I'm not usually at games. Um, look out for me and I think I'm in section 200, I think. Um, but, uh, but yeah, awesome, awesome time. If you have not made it out to a Bucks game this season, now is, would be a really cool time to go see. And, and hopefully the, hopefully the Bucks live up to that as well. But, um, 
but yeah, um, we'll see. One one coming back to the Bradley Center. I, th- I think. I mean, these games are going to be sold out. They have to be, and yeah. it's it's going to be every playoff game I can recall being to at the BC has been awesome. I mean, agreed. I've uh, never I'm been excited. to a bad one. I have never been to a bad one. I mean, there have been some bad results, but certainly in terms of <laughs> in terms of the the crowd and and the energy, I think uh, it, it should be awesome. So, um, fingers crossed for Thursday. Um, what what else about tonight's game uh, kind of stood out to you um, in in terms of this game? We we talked about a little about the adjustments or lack of adjustments, um, kind of individual players that, that maybe stood out to you, or anything else sort of trends you saw tonight. Um, I, I guess there's a couple things on the periphery, and, and I'm I'm happy that we spent the first twenty minutes of this talking about the the major players and the stars because I think that is where playoff games are, are pretty much decided like that that's going to decide whether or not you're in a game but i thought some of the other smaller stuff on the periphery ended up having an impact on these games and and like we said before that's what this is about is winning or losing and those smaller things can swing games and can kind of decide things um the point guard shooting six of 21 tonight not ideal uh brogdon three of 11 in 37 minutes Four rebounds, three assists, two turnovers, uh, seven points. Della Vadova, three for ten on the night, one for four from three, um, three rebounds, one assist, and seven points. And I, I don't, I don't necessarily know that it's an indictment of either of them because the Bucks have just so heavily leaned on Giannis and Chris to kind of be the playmakers and be those star players that everyone believes them to be and they, they've shown they've certainly kind of shown why they are those players and um to even to a lesser extent greg monroe the same way that when he's come in he's kind of buoyed those second units but with those point guards man it, it's just brutal to see n- shooting nights that poor um and when you're in a very close game in a game that's tied with two minutes left those are the those are the kind of things that can can swing things in one direction or the other and um obviously i I was looking more at their shooting numbers on on the whole night um not being great but those those two missed open threes from each of them were were just absolute killers um it, it was interesting because i listened to the game and then i watched the game on dvr but without ever seeing a box score and so it was a little funny to kind of then look at the box where after I'd, I'd sort of had the chance to experience the game um, because it seemed like there were some some clutch deli shots. And then it seemed like there were also some like like he had, I think, a couple of bad misses um, in the start of the fourth quarter when the Raptors made their run. Uh, and and obviously, you know, Brogdon, I think, had a slow start. And then he has those two shots late, especially the the one that could have given them the lead basically just rim out right and it's kind of like you know i mean it's not like he's airballing these shots um and i think with delhi too i mean we complained about him being too much of the focal point of the offense in the fourth quarter of game one which obviously didn't really matter from an end result perspective but um you know in terms of this game i think he had one assist but it was that alley-oop to Giannis uh down the stretch that that kind of helped bring them i think at the time back within one um so yeah, I mean it was kind of those things like I mean you know neither of those guys was was great, um, 
you know, by the same token, you know, what did did Lowry and DeRozan, who you know, they Brogdon matched up against DeRozan a fair bit. Delhi matched up on Lowry for a bit. I was surprised. I, I didn't think they were abused. You know, I mean, again, you look at especially sure. late in the game. Um, you know, they did, they did bring in Snell very at the very end of the game, but um, but for the most part, I mean, you know, defensively, I thought they were fine. You know, um, it's interesting. I mean, you see the Raptors go 14 out of 29 from three. Obviously, that's a number that you're not going to feel good about. If you knew that the Raptors were going to go 14 and 29 from three, you'd say, oh, yeah, that's a definite loss. Um, but, you know, again, like, were they all wide open threes? Was it, you know, the the kind of typical Swiss cheese Bucks defense that, that we always worry about? Probably, probably not not as much as I actually you'd think from the kind of total, the final numbers. Um you know, I think they they again Raptors hit some you know moderately contested threes. It like, was kind you know, of funny. Was like, there was so many open ones from the left corner. It seemed like in the first three quarters, where I was like, oh, "Come on, like those are those type of ones, like the exact ones you're talking about, where you're like, oh, this is exactly what the Bucks give up.'" And then they missed those, and then it it felt like the ones that were a little bit tougher, the ones that above the break, the ones that were contested, like those were the ones that ended up going in and obviously they ended up shooting 50% on the night so um, they they did plenty well from three but for some reason it just seemed like the open corner ones like those were the ones that they were missing yeah and I mean the the start of the fourth quarter you know Ibaka hit the two really big threes um, Della Vadova switched out and you know gave a challenge not you know not like Delhi's going to be blocking Serge Ibaka's shot on the perimeter. But, you know, Delhi came out, put a hand in his face. He had a shot from the top of the key. And then uh, Serge hit another one from the left wing um, with Monroe kind of coming out. And, you know, again, like, is it blanket defense? Oh, no, totally. You know, not at all. But um, but they weren't wide open threes either. And, you know, he just hit them. And he hit four out of seven on the night. He was only two out of eight inside the arc, but four out of seven from three. Um, I think Tucker then hit another one that was, you know, again, the guy was there, not necessarily playing great defense, but the guy was there, um, and that kind of put the lead out to 12, and, and obviously at that point you thought, well, this game's over, but then the Bucks had one more run in them. Let's talk about the start of that fourth quarter. Um, I th- When we first talked, you mentioned that we talked on the phone when we were trying to figure out what to discuss, and you said, does anything stick out to you? And that was the first thing I told you, that those first two minutes of the fourth quarter were just brutal because it, it was a lineup that I didn't think could survive, and... I, I was pretty fired up in the moment, and now the, as I think about it, I don't know if I'm as fired up, but it, it was Delavadova, Brogdon, Middleton, Toledovich, Monroe matching up against, um, I believe it was Joseph, Lowry, Tucker, Patterson, and Abaka for the Raptors, and at the time, it just felt like there's no way you can expect Monroe and Toledovich to match up with the bigs that they have on the floor um, with with Pat Pat and with Ibaka kind of spreading the floor. And uh, it didn't feel like there was any way that you could expect the, the Bucks guards and Del Vadova and Brogdon to match up with Lowry and Joseph. And uh, it just seemed like such a big moment and such a strange lineup to to throw out there and it, it was 3000 percent necessary to get Giannis those minutes uh, he I think he plays 42 and a half maybe 43 tonight um, and if you don't give him those two minutes he's gonna play 45 and obviously he wasn't having the best night 
um, at that at that exact moment, and I certainly felt he needed the rest. So I know you needed to get Giannis off, but it just felt like putting those five on the floor just seemed like uh, a a risk that did not need to be taken. Well, I mean, here's the interesting thing. So, so the eight points that were scored on them again, it was the two Ibaka threes that were, you know, contested, not 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 very well contested, but yeah. you know, again, they they weren't like shredded apart or something like that, or. You know, uh, Monroe was a bit slow to close out, which, you know, probably isn't surprising. Um, and then the other bucket was, um, it, I think it was kind of a broken play where it ended up being Corey Joseph on Monroe and, and Joseph just, you know, blew by Monroe on, on the perimeter, which, you know, is, is about expected. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you, when you mentioned that to me, I was kind of, I was like, well, who was on the court? I was like, wasn't it, you know, Brogdon Deli wasn't like, cause, cause for me, it's kind of, well, if Chris and Monroe are on the court together. I mean mm-hmm. that that's a good that's a good floor at least for uh, a, an intelligent lineup that yeah. that could work. Um, and you got Brogdon out there, and then you got Toledovich spacing. I mean, in two minutes twenty seconds, they didn't score a point, right? I mean, I wouldn't look at that lineup and say, "Oh, that's a bad offensive lineup," right? I mean, that lineup should for be sure. able to score points, right? So, um, you know, I think it's a I think it's valid to say like, "Well, they I mean they may have issues defensively because you don't have enough athleticism. Um, you know, I think the only difference between that lineup and the one that went on the run when Giannis got foul trouble in the third quarter is I think Snell was in that lineup. Um, and I, I'm guessing he might've been in for Brogdon, I think at that, at that point. Um, so, you know, and you're, again, and you're talking in the last game, you mean? Yeah. In the last game when they, when they closed on that, like 11, two or 11, five run to, to get that, um, that lead going into the fourth quarter. Um, so again, not like a vastly different lineup. And, and I think obviously Snell matters cause Snell is, you know, physically pretty switchable, but if you're swapping Snell for Brogdon, I don't think you'd look at it and say like, Oh, you know, you're, everything falls apart or something like that. Um, so I, I don't know. Like it's not quite as bad as if you'd have like Jet in Rashad Vaughn, like Jet or Rashad Vaughn for like one of those guys. Like I think then you you'd really be looking at something like okay that that's just a terrible lineup. Um, but I I don't know. It, it just didn't feel good going into that fourth quarter, and then kind of your concerns were just validated by that the, that eight zero run. And um, again, I. Who knows how fair that is, but in my mind, I, I, you thought about it going in, you're like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work out, and then it didn't. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. like, if Giannis, When Giannis is off the court, is on the bench, for, first off, Giannis, because Thon is playing the beginnings of the first and third quarters effectively, so Thon is always playing with Giannis, right? So yeah. you have an extreme, there's basically this extreme effect where if, you know, with Toledovich being your, you know, uh, typically the four, because Beasley doesn't even really, I don't even think Beasley has played the four that much, per se. Um, you know, typically when when Toledovich is in, it's basically always with either Monroe or, or Hawes, right? So, yeah. again, not, not to say that that's like a super logical pairing, but, you know, I mean, the numbers are there, right? The defense has been good with Toledovich on the court all season, so... You know, again, I realize that it doesn't necessarily it's not necessarily the most intuitive thing in the world, but I don't think Mirza and Greg, I'm I'm guessing if you look them up as a two man combo, they've probably been wildly positive, I'm guessing. Um, And and more because offensive reasons. Right. But um, but yeah, I mean, to me, it's just kind of like, well, you know, you had a lot of good offensive players and, you know, Delhi missed, I think, one or two chippies. Monroe missed at point blank range. You know, you had Chris out there, so you had the stagger, right? I mean, that's sort of first rule of all lineups for me is like is yep. is one of Giannis and Chris on the court. So, so yeah, I mean, it obviously it, it worked against them, but Giannis comes in, he gets a five second call, and then they hit another three, right? So, 
you know, the, 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 there were a number of things kind of going wrong and, and obviously, you know, anytime Giannis isn't on the court and anything goes against the Bucks, I think, you know, Bucks Twitter is going to immediately sharpen the knives, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it didn't stand out to me, but certainly I can understand like, you know, anytime things go wrong, you're going to look at the lineup and say, yeah. you know, we should have done better. But again, the bottom line is they didn't score points and, and that lineup should score points at least. Yeah. Um, all right. Other lineup thing. Small. Again, we, we are on the periphery, but you know what? That's kind of our deal. <laughs> we try to get in depth here. So I guess Spencer Hawes plays in the second quarter again tonight. Um, he plays, I think, roughly almost six minutes. Um, he's a plus two in those five and a half, six minutes at the end of the second quarter. When when do we get to the point where Thon <laughs> and Greg just take all of the center minutes? Like, at, like Thon has played well enough at this point, right? Like, because I, I know we had this conversation a little bit the other night, um, and I, in my mind, I was thinking, you know what? I don't know if Thon is quite ready for that type of night and I, I'd probably want to see him do it again before I say like, oh, Thon should definitely be playing all these minutes and he should be up over twenty minutes and he, he should for sure take all these all these minutes and Yeah, he was he was very good again tonight. And it, it seems like whether that's just a matchup thing or whether that's kind of Thon's next step, next level of play he seems perfectly capable of handling more minutes. And tonight you see 20 minutes from him, 22 minutes from Greg, and then those six minutes from Spencer Hawes. Really, would it would it be that bad if Monroe plays 28 or Thon plays 25? Like, I, I don't think it is, right? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, this is one of these weird Jason Kidd quirks that, you know, and I, I was saying the other day, it just seems more like a superstition at this point than anything. Like, you know, and, and again, like, I mean, Spencer Hawes is an NBA player. He'll have moments. You know, you could throw John Henson in there. John Henson would do some things at times, you know, and, and that could help. Um, but I agree. I mean, I, I don't think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, is there really a compelling reason that, that Thon and, and Greg shouldn't be playing all the center minutes? I don't really see it at this point. You know, I mean, I think Thon isn't going to keel over if he plays, you know, 20 minutes. I mean, we saw it tonight, I think. He he did make some plays defensively in the fourth quarter, right? When you know, sort of at the tail end of his night, um, and and ironically, I mean, they they kind of went at we we talked about the you know thinking oh well, Valanciunas is going to try to really abuse him to open the series, and um, you know we saw a bit more of that t- tonight, like Valanciunas like going at him and getting getting some buckets, and Valanciunas did have five offensive rebounds, but on aggregate, you know, ten points on ten shots for Valanciunas, it's not like. You know, it's it's not like Valanciunas is playing like the sixteen million dollar center that that you know he is on paper. I almost think we're to the point where Valanciunas's minutes are going to go down as the series goes on. Yeah. He he played just twenty two tonight, and I don't know. There were, obviously, like you said, there was moments. There there was some offensive rebounds, but man, with some of the stuff you can do with Serge Ibaka and Patrick Patterson, and some of the smaller lineups that you might be able to play that can match up against. Uh, the way that the Bucks tend to play small um, on the aggregate, I, I just don't. I don't know if there's a spot for Jonas in in this series. It, it just seems like that 
he's not overly effective. And again, it's just a two-game sample size, so there could be more. But in the playoffs, it's not going to be a big sample size. It's going to be very matchup specific and very, uh, very much dictated by your opponent and how well they can play you. So I don't know. It's fascinating because again, the first I think five possessions of the game they went to to Valanciunas it was all right let's see if we can get you involved and he was generally okay but it, it didn't seem like it was uh, something the Bucks couldn't handle and he wasn't really drawing falls on Thon he was just kind of throwing stuff at the rim yeah I mean the, the thing we we feared with Thon all year was that he's just going to get just completely overwhelmed and put under the rim by centers and yep we really haven't seen that you know no. he Valanciunas, I, I do remember him kind of um, getting by him for, for a layup, but that was more of a quickness thing and, and sealing him rather than just sort of a pure bulk thing. And, I mean, Valanciunas is a, I mean, he's a big boy, right? I mean, this is not like a a, uh, a mod. I mean, he's like a bit more of a throwback center in terms of like <laughs> yeah. his, his size and he's a space eater, right? Um, so I think that is interesting that the Bucks have, um, you know, and, and it's not really necessarily because of the, the one-on-one matchup, you know, between Valanciunas and in Thon, um, you know, we did see Thon roll out and, and hit one three tonight, which was nice to see early in the game. Um, but for the most part, the the difference is what Thon does as a help defender, right? That's that's the advantage. And um, if if Valanciunas can't punish him, um, you know, sort of down low, and and again tonight he got the offensive rebounds, which obviously does matter, giving them those second chances. He had no offensive rebounds in the first game. Um, that stuff matters. But um, but yeah, Thon Maker just kind of continues to play and you know for what he is given where he was a year ago um i think it's really encouraging to see him you know kind of continue to make plays and um you know generally be a guy who uh you know the bucks best defensive lineups are going to be with him with him on the court and uh we saw that again after he came back in the game the bucks had a, a 17 to 5 um scoring run when uh, when he came back into the game and alongside Giannis, obviously they just become very dynamic in terms of the length and and movement and and you know trying to when you think about like what the Bucks defense tries to do, those are the types of guys who can actually unlock sort of the 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 benefits of of you know what the Bucks defense can do. Um, and we talk a lot about you know what it can't do and what it's vulnerable to and things like that. But um, you know again, Giannis, Thon, that starting lineup. They've been good defensively. They've been very good overall um, together, and and that's a really positive kind of ma- again. Maybe it's more of a macro thing, um, but I think we did see also a breakthrough seeing Thon, even though he wasn't overwhelmingly good in in those first two stints. Um, you know, we saw we saw Jason Kidd when when they went down early in the fourth quarter. He went back to him and gave him his shot, and um, the team responded. So hopefully. You know, again, we're going to need to see those kinds of performances probably for Kid to um, be willing to give him that extended run. But but so far, I mean, he's I think he, I'd say he's been generally answering the bell when when he's gotten these opportunities late in games. Obviously, the, the Detroit game is the most obvious one, but um, I think tonight certainly won't hurt him in terms of his uh, his quest for more minutes and you know having off days between every game. It's not like um, you know he's he's being overwhelmed on back to backs or something like that. All right, one final very i don't even know it's not a small detail but more game specific detail um second time this series or i guess as we've seen it in both games tony snell ends up taking a spot on the bench while the bucks go brogdon delavadova more often in the fourth quarter um what are your thoughts on that it seems weird that uh you know for long stretches 
it seems like Kidd is determined to match Tony Snell up with DeMar DeRozan. So in tonight's game, they both play the first 12 minutes. They both shadow each other. They both come back midway through the second quarter at the exact same whistle, it looks like. They both play the entirety of the third quarter. Um, the difference is DeRozan then comes back with, let's see, uh, how many minutes left in the fourth quarter. He came back with 7-10, 7-10 left in the um in the uh, fourth quarter and Snell did not return until like the last minute when he came in as a defensive sub. So, um, so yeah, I mean, we talked about this last game too, you know, with, especially with Delhi when Delhi was handling the ball a ton and you've got Brogdon, Giannis and Middleton out there. It's like, what, what do we really need Delhi out there necessarily for? Um, and again, I don't think we've seen Delhi like really exploited dramatically, um, defensively for his lack of kind of, you know, ideal quickness. Um, but again, I, I do think, you know, and again, as, as much as Snell isn't going to just like lock down and shut down DeRozan and, you know, as we said, DeRozan had to hit some tough shots late in this game. Um, yeah, I mean, I still think like, you know, again, your, your best lineup, I think, does have Snell out there with Brogdon. And, um, you know, I, I wish you'd we'd see it more often because, again, tonight, Tony Snell was good. Right. And um, we've seen them. Uh, you know, again, not pay as much attention to him. And you do kind of wonder if, if Tony Snell's the one having those open looks uh, in the last couple of minutes. I know Snell hasn't been great in the clutch this year, but um, but tonight with him shooting the ball well, um, might he have been the guy who nails those shots, right? So, um, so yeah, interesting to think about for sure. I was going to say, the thing that most interests me there is that I think Snell is probably the best DeRozan matchup and. Brogdon is probably a very worthy fill-in and a guy that can do it from time to time. I think the biggest difference is that you can kind of shuffle Brogdon down and then Brogdon covers Lowry and then Snell covers DeRozan. And I think those two matchups are much better than what you'd be seeing if Brogdon has DeRozan and Delhi has Kyle Lowry. Like I think the cumulative effect of bringing Snell in to get those two matchups is probably greater. But yeah, um, we'll see if, if that's an adjustment that the Bucks make going forward. Um, it'll certainly be interesting and Game game three is just, by the time this podcast goes up, probably about 36 hours away or so. Um, so we, we are getting closer and closer to game three. We are getting closer and closer to the Bradley Center. And we are getting closer and closer to Bucks fans being able to show out a little bit. You know, okay, one more thing before we leave. It's funny how whenever Toledovich misses like two or three shots, I immediately get questions on Twitter about like, why do they play Toledovich at all? <laughs> you get questions? Oh, I... Or, or demands. And, there and I'm just go. looking. I'm just looking at the Brew Hoop email account. Somebody actually... Not many people write in with questions in 2017 to team websites, but somebody was like, can you write about why they play Mirza? I don't get it. Like, it's just like... Well, first off, you don't listen to the Locked On Bucks podcast because we've <laughs> talked about... I mean, we talk about this like all the time. I don't, yeah. I don't know how many times I've tweeted back and said, because gravity is important and they're awesome when he's on the court for whatever reason like i mean results i don't know <laughs> like you know it's just like so weird um and and i know there are a lot of like beasley truthers out there who um you know sort of seem weirdly obsessed with with manufacturing minutes for him and hey i'm fine with michael beasley playing sometimes it's it's been interesting that he hasn't played at all um in this series um and and it'll be interesting to see if maybe we we do see him in in the next couple games certainly if if playoff kid is like regular season kid, then you would expect to see him at some point. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of one of those things like 
obviously when Toledovic doesn't hit shots tonight, you know, part of that run that we mentioned, the bad run in the start of the fourth, you know, he did one of those drives where he, again, goes up, contested layup, misses it. We've seen that a lot. Um, and he didn't hit any threes tonight. And, you know, obviously he hasn't really done much in the first two games. But, um, you know, I think the main thing with him, I think in the first game, Kid did not bring him back in the second half. You know, he didn't really do much in the first and then didn't bring him back. Yeah. And I think that's the way you kind of should treat him, right? I mean, if he doesn't, if he doesn't look like he's having a Mirza night, figure out some other some other solution and um the challenge obviously is you know well if you're not playing him or beasley then you're you know you're you're that means you're playing delhi and brogdon together a ton and you're then sliding those other guys up to uh to to basically play big or, or you're playing two bigs which i definitely don't want so um so yeah the, don't at me about about why merely <laughs> plays it's like uh, it's 2017 shooters shooters help He's not actually bad defensively, and, 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 and he's limited defensively, but I don't think he's actually, like, hurts you that much. Um, so, anyway, whatever. All right. That's going to be it for us for today. The Bucks live to fight a, uh, another day, and they will they will fight for it in the Bradley Center. The series is tied 1-1, to I think. Uh, there's plenty of reason to smile. The Bucks did steal one on the road. Um, granted, obviously... They had a chance to steal two, and that would have been a wonderful thing to see, but that didn't happen, and instead it'll be a 1-1 tie heading into Game 3, and the Bucks will see what they can do on Thursday. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow to break down some other things. Um, I believe the Bucks will be back in town, so um, we'll kind of have a chance as media members to catch up with some of the players, with Jason Kidd, and maybe... Maybe there'll be something interesting there because um, that was certainly the case with D- Dwayne Casey and his uh, availability the day after uh, they lost game one. So we'll see if that's the case tomorrow. But for Frank Mann, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.